Hello, this is A.R. Bernard, and welcome to my podcast. My objective, it's simple, to create a platform where you can be educated, informed, and inspired as you navigate the intersection of faith and culture. If you have no faith, maybe you'll find it here. So, thanks for tuning in. As we get into Signs of the Times in the first service, we, he started it. Uh, we got into a conversation about protection and God's protection during times of crisis. Uh, are we exempt from crisis? How many think that the believer is exempt from bad things? Well, I love this church. Look at this church. You have been taught well. You know, the majority of us experience bad things, so yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's from personal experience. Like I know it's not. I wanted. I wish it was true. I, I wanted it to be true, but man, when that situation happened, reality hit. <laughs> and 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 but there are some environments where it's taught that if you have enough faith, if you believe hard enough, nothing bad is going to ever happen to you, and that is not true. It. It, it ruins relationship with God, relationships with the Word of God. Uh, it, it, it creates a mess because then when the bad thing happens, it goes back to why do bad things happen to good, good people. Are there any good people in here? No. Look at him. Look at him. Yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. What standard are you governing that by? Your yeah, goodness. what's the standard? How what's you your measuring goodness? that? What's your goodness standard? Uh, how you measuring that? <laughs> yeah. I, but that, yeah. what happens is becomes now, if that's the case, then your relationship with God becomes transactional. And if people start negotiating... Mm, that's, good. That's, good. that's good. That's good. That's right. Transactional. That's right. And then you negotiate. So you say, if I do good, I'm, uh, do I earn X amount of uh, yeah. blessing? And or yeah. if I do so this... So my and, expectation yes. is... So, I, but let's take it another step further. Let's really, you know, delve into this and create problems. Um, is it because I'm not having enough faith? And that's, that's a part of the conversation. <laughs> That's it? No, because <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know which direction he wants to go, so I'm trying to behave. I don't tell him, by to the way. To make sure that I know. Don't think that we get up here and he knows where because I'm going. Because he, he, he didn't write this on the first service, so I'm like, okay, where is he going with this? I want to make sure, because I can go, I, 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 I'm not, I chase the rabbit holes. And that's my week is about, you know, going down the rabbit holes. What I mean by that, I, I, there's a lead and I follow that as far as I can take it and then get confused to jump on another lead. And then I come back and say, okay, dad, I got a couple questions. <laughs> that's when he calls me. Okay. So, but, but your, your faith and child and tribulations are, are, needs to be separated. You got to well, well, think about it. Think about it. You know, um, yeah, yeah, I was, I was gonna think about it. I look, think about it. it if, if we, and again, what we believe will determine how we act, how we feel, right? It's all based upon what we believe. Uh, what's informing our beliefs will inform our assumptions and our choices, the choices that we make. So there are those who think that if you have enough faith, then nothing bad will ever happen to you. It's actually not faith in God, but faith in faith. And there's a difference between faith in faith and faith in God. So, uh, you know, like if, if, if something went wrong, if something bad happened to me, I just wasn't believing God enough, trusting God enough for his protection, etc. As though, you know, uh, we are totally exempt from any bad things happening to us. 
And that's not true. And like you said, our experience tells us differently. But theologically, biblically, all right, is, are we in, in sync biblically with what we experience every day? And the answer is yes. And I want to go to a text in the book of Hebrews, the book, the chapter of faith, where we all go. Because if I ask you what faith is, what do you say? It's the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. The, the book of Hebrew opens with that definition of faith. And then it goes through a list of individuals like Abraham and Moses and others who exercised their faith and achieved incredible things. And they become the example of what we should do in order to experience great things. Amen? Now let's go to verse 32. The writer... Uh, in fact, wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's back up. 11. Over. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11. I'm sorry. Hebrews chapter 11. <laughs> Hebrews 11.27. 11.27. Well, we can't start there. We got to back up. It's talking about Moses. Verse 27. By faith he, Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, are saying to do, were drowned. By faith, and this is King James language, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith uh, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I say more? Oh, what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak, I know he was in there. Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel and of the prophets, who through what? Faith. I can't hear you. Through what? Faith. Through faith. What did they do? Subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others... Oh, wait a minute. Stop right there. All of a sudden, the text switches. From those who experience victory and deliverance to those who are now, look, and others were what? Not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of what? 
cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth, and these all having obtained a what? I can't hear you. A good what? Through what? God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Why do I raise this? Because when you take Hebrews, the chapter as a whole, some experienced deliverance and some didn't. But notice the summation. They all died in faith. So just because things don't work out the way you expected them to, the way you believe them to, doesn't mean you weren't having enough faith. How many understand what I'm talking about? It's very, very, very important, folks, because there'll be people who put you on a guilt trip and say, well, you just weren't having enough faith. That's why it worked out like that. But these are individuals who are on both sides of things. On one side, they experience being delivered. On the other side, they suffered. They went through cataclysmic situations and changes. And yet, God gave them what? A good report. Why? Because in spite of the outcome, they never stopped believing. They never stopped trusting. So the faith part is judged not by the outcome, but by who you are and what you experience in the process. Who you are in the process is what God judges. So don't ever feel that you're a failure, that you didn't have enough faith, you fell short of God, you disappointed God. Uh-uh. Don't buy into that scenario. Don't buy into that narrative. Because God is watching to see whether you stick with him no matter how it turns out. Let me give you the words of... Oh, yeah, that's a good place. Come on, give God a good praise offering. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. I love these words. It was about some Hebrew boys who were about to be thrown into a furnace. They said, our God is able to deliver us. How many read the text in the book of Daniel? But they also said, but even if he doesn't. And see, that's where the real faith comes into play. Not if I have a guaranteed outcome of success, I'm going to believe. But regardless of the outcome, I believe God. I trust God. No matter how this works out, no matter how it turns out, I'm not going to judge God by the outcome. I'm going to be consistent in judging him by the nature revealed to me that God is on my side. And there are things that I don't know or don't understand or can't be explained to me that I'll know later. But for now, no matter what, like Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. God wasn't slaying him, but Job was saying, in spite of what I'm going through, I'm not going to all of a sudden say that it was God at fault. How many understand what I'm talking about? That's where we are in faith. And this is important because as we talk about the signs of the times, how will we be affected? by the condition of things, morally, politically, socially, economically? Do we have protection against those things? 
And my point in the first service, which I'll raise here, is that God's primary way of protecting us is through our obedience to his word. I'm going to say that again. God's primary way of protecting us is through our obedience to his word. So when they were singing the song, Your Kingdom Here, what is the kingdom? The kingdom of God is a way of thinking, doing, and being that informs our words, our thoughts, our actions, our attitudes, our motives, and our choices. The kingdom is a way of life. So when Jesus said, I pray not that you take them out of the world, but in the world keep them from the evil one, all right, he's talking about us being in this world and yet thriving in spite of the conditions that are against us. You gave a great example when you talk about the boxer. That was your cue. You got to lead up better because the conversation was, he said protection. I said, then define protection, right? Because if I'm a Christian and if obedience is a precursor for the protection, then I should be protected. And I Googled protection. Uh-oh, he Googled it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's signs. I got a good definition for signs. A person or thing that prevents someone or something from suffering harm or injury. And my scenario was, then I'm obedient, I'm at church, I'm worshiping, I'm serving. Uh, just let you know, we need some volunteers, so please sign up. But I'm serving, I'm doing what I got to do. And, <laughs> and here it is, I go home, me and my family after church, they're in Sunday school, my wife is part of the women's ministry, she's serving. And here it is, I go home and... On my way home, somebody blows a red light. I got the green. They blow a red light. We get to a bad accident. Family dies. Where was God's protection? Right? Because if that is the definition for protection, then something happened. Because we got to, the question then is, if, 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 if that happened, then was God all-powerful? Right? And if he's all-powerful, but yet then was he all-loving to stop it? And if he was all-loving and all-powerful, but then I got another question. Did he know about it? So is he omniscient? So, now that we're all confused. <laughs> so, see, so, we asked the question. What is the question we asked? What? We're not really asking God's protection. We're asking, why did God let that happen to us? That's the question that we're asking. Yeah, but it leads back to protection. Because if it's going to, based on this definition, someone or something from suffering or harm. But is that how we define God's protection? And that's where we had to define it. Because you can, you can have what it means to us in this world, but what does it mean to God to protect us? Now, first of all, God's protection in terms of no hurt, harm, or danger coming to us because of our faith in Him applies immediately to our soul. The protection of our soul is where God pulls out all stops. But the protection of our body and our physical experience here in this world? No. God reduces the impact through our obedience to his word. He reduces and minimizes the impact that the reality of this condition of the fallen human existence can bring upon us. 
But the only ultimate and sure security that he offers us is the protection of our soul. In fact, Jesus said, it's better to enter into heaven with one arm missing than to enter hell with your whole body. Fear not him who can harm the body, but fear him who could harm the soul. So the soul is elevated to the place of greatest importance. So when you think about God's protection, this is why when he told the disciples what's going to happen to them, we're going to be going into Luke 21, Matthew 24. When you got to start, start at Isaiah where he says, by his stripes we are healed. Uh, well, yeah, again, well, watch it, back off on that. Back off on that one. Because now we get into a theological discussion about that healing because it begins primarily what was what was in what was the problem with us our soul yep. our soul the soul that sins it shall die the mind will and emotion separated from God is headed on a pathway that only leads to total eternal separation from God that's the reality so the soul of the individual is 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 the main reason why Jesus came not for the temporal life, but for the eternal life. How many people are like, wow, right now? That's why I can't. This is so, so important. So the, 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 the healing that first needed to take place was the healing of our soul. The healing of the broken relationship between us and God. That's why God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Bringing us back together because sin separated us. It broke that connection. And as a result of that separation, all this stuff started happening and being experienced by us. So it doesn't exempt us from the physical realities of living in this world. But the protection of our soul is tantamount. That is primary in God's mind. Now, the protection of our body, which is still living in this fallen world, comes through our obedience to his word. He sent his word and healed us and delivered us from our destruction. So what does that mean? It's like we talked about your children. You have children, mm -hmm. right? So how do we protect our children? If it was up to Pastor Karen, she would have kept all the kids in a bubble and in the house. See, I send mine out with a, in, a, in a tank, some security. You like your mother. No, they're going out. They're experiencing the world. No, 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 no. Yes, they are. No, you no, know? No no, 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 no. I kicked them out the house. I said, go to the park. Learn. Experience. Get out there. I sent them out into the streets. But I gave them rules. I gave them knowledge. I gave them wisdom. Gave them understanding. So our only protection that we really have for our children is when we tell them, we warn them, look out for this, pay attention to that, don't do that. It's, it's our words that we're giving them, our, 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 our commands and precepts and principles and wisdom that we're giving them. That's the only protection. So when we fill them up, when we load them up, all right, with knowledge and wisdom as to what's out there, then we send them out there. All we've got is their obedience to what we told them. That's all we got. If they don't obey what we told them, they move themselves out from under our protection. So God sends his word and he tells us what to do, how to think, how to choose, how to live, how to walk, how to talk. And then we have to decide if we're going to be obedient to them. And if we don't obey them, we remove ourselves from their protection. Mm -hmm. So it's like when we were out there and if we did something and we got in trouble, and my first thing my, my father said is, what did I tell you to do? And we said we did it, then he said, I got you. Well, you, 
<laughs> Boom. <laughs> Boom. So I would back them up. And see, that's the thing, because they would get into stuff. As long as they did what I told them to do in the scenario, I had their back. Yep. And I was going to fight for them. And I did have to fight for them. Because they were in the right and they knew that I had their back if they did what I told them to do. But if they didn't do what I told them to do, then I had to say, I'm going to fight for you anyway. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when I get home, <laughs> when we get home, I'm going to tighten you up. <laughs> and I, 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 I had to implement as much correction as possible when he was smaller than he is now. <laughs> So I terrorized him when he was little, <laughs> and it stayed with him. But and then, and then in addition to that, there's a sense of confidence when confronting someone who's saying you're doing something wrong, because I knew that my dad would have my back. So I would stand my ground for a particular situation, because I know that even if I get in trouble, I'm doing the right thing based on the, the, the information, the wisdom, the, the instructions that my father gave me. And when my father got on the scene, the, uh, it was even more of a confidence. I like, see, Daddy, I did what you told me to do. So he was covered. Yes. <laughs> and that's similar to what we're saying now with God. Yeah. So God gives us his word. We were looking at John chapter 17, which is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. He's, he's praying out. If you ever read John chapter 17, enjoy the chapter. Please understand what's going on. Jesus has had it with humans. <laughs> he's had his fill of this world. He is ready to go home. He said, Father, restore to me the glory I had with you <laughs> from the beginning. I'm out of here. Remember, if you listen, if you read carefully the things that Jesus said, he would get upset. How long must I bear with you, oh, you a little faith? And you say, oh, you, <laughs> you brood of vipers. Who told you? <laughs> a little John the Baptist in there. But he was, I mean, he had his fill of, of this environment, of this fallen world. So now he's praying. He's about to turn everything over to his disciples. He's praying for them because they're going to continue the message out into the future, right? So John 17 is, is this intimate interaction between him and the Father. I'm so glad it's recorded for us in Scripture. And he's talking about the end of his journey and what he's done, that, that you know, he's kept them except for Judas uh, he's kept all of them. He's, and and let's, go to, let's go to verse, John chapter 17, verse 14. John 17, 14. And I'm going to switch to the New King James Version. A little easier. John 17, 14. All right, let's go to verse 13. That's even better. Let's start there. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they, his disciples, may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them what? Come on. What's he pointing to? The word, right? I have given them your Word. Word. 
And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Keep them from who? Evil. From the evil one, right? They are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify, which means set them apart by your what? Truth. What's the truth? Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Now think about that. Jesus is the word made flesh. So the word takes on a human body, goes into the world, and experiences all the things that human experience. Did he, re did he experience betrayal? Yes. Did they plot against him? Yes. Did they look to kill him? Yes. Did he ever get tired? Yes. Did he ever get weary? Yes. Was he challenged to take another course other than the course that the Father laid before him? Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Were there times where he had to get away even from the, his staff? <laughs> he was human. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus. Not only facing what he knew he would be experiencing, death, but also the very reason he came to deliver a man from that death. He experienced everything that we experience. So the fact that he was under the protection of God, because remember what he said when, when, when Pilate said, you know, I have the power to take your life. He said, no, no, no. No man has the power to take my life. I lay it down, and when I'm ready, I'm going to pick it up again. <laughs> In spite of having that power and kind of authority and protection, he still experienced all that we experience. So just because we're born again, have a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, does not mean we are exempt from the realities of a fallen human world, a fallen condition. We're not exempt. So what does God give us in order to navigate the fall, in order to navigate this condition that has been created by Adam and Eve's choice? He gives us his word. And his word is a book that not only, all right, reveals his nature and his plans and purposes and his power, but reveals patterns, principles, and precepts that when we apply them, we will experience the benefit that comes from the application of those patterns, principles, and precepts. Can, a, an, can an unbeliever tithe and be blessed by tithing? What say you, pastor? <laughs> yes. Yes. Why? Because God is honoring the word. He's honoring his word. So you can be an unbeliever, a sinner, right? Be generous, even tithe, and be blessed financially. And go to hell. <laughs> but you have a good earth life, I'll tell you that much, before you go to hell. How many understand what I'm talking about? The principle is the principle. The pattern is the pattern. The precept is the precept. David said, I, I would have fainted <laughs> had I not seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living because when I look at the evildoers, they're doing pretty good. He said, but I've never seen God's seed forsaken or begging bread. He was making a legitimate comparison between his own experiences because, hey, he's wondering if Jehovah's my God. How come I'm going through this stuff and they're doing pretty good and I'm suffering here and being chased around by Saul? <laughs> See, those of you who read your Bible caught that one. Yeah. 
So the idea is that there are going to be signs in nature, sign, moral signs. There are going to be signs in technology. There's going to be social and political signs that we're going to look at. But regardless of the condition of things, you can still prosper. You can still thrive if you continue, if you consistently believe in, trust in, and apply his word. He gave us his word. So now circling back, I was sitting up here listening, and it was like a light bulb, uh, and, and I got a picture of a boxing match. And God is a coach. He's there on, the, on your side, and he's preparing you before you get into the ring. And, you know, and, and you, you, if you do everything that he says you should do, and even to the point where you're studying the next, your opponent, there's patterns in which they, every box of boxes, there's signs, telltale signs of what they're going to do when they're going to throw a punch. There are uh, uh, precepts that they try to build upon based on those patterns and principles. And if you're, you're, you're in the ring, you might get hit, you might get beat up, right? So when he was talking about your protection, you might you know, get a little you know, beat up, but you'll still come out victorious as long as you obey the word of God. That's a good picture. It's a great picture, great illustration. See, I, once we understand the rules, mm -hmm. then we can play the game. Yep. Once we understand the nature of things, then we can function effectively and successfully in that context. That's why Jesus said, I don't pray that you take them out of the world. What I want you to do, Father, is protect them from the evil one, but then separate them from the world through your word. Let your word distinguish them from the rest of the world. So while the rest of the world is going through certain things, your word has put them in a situation where they can thrive regardless of what's going on externally. How many understand what I'm talking about? As human beings, there, there are certain foundational realities uh, about us. Number one, as humans, we are highly cooperative by nature. You need to write that down. We are highly cooperative by nature. That's where you get the herd mentality from. Hmm? Herd mentality from. Exactly. I'm going to explain it, okay? So what are we by nature? Yeah. Do you notice how if there's a situation, all right, for the most part, people will try to help? without even being asked. If you're on the side of the road, there's an accident or whatever, all right, for the most part. And that's, that's found fundamental human nature, right? The nature of people to work together to achieve results or a common goal. That's how we are wired. God wired us like that. That is foundational. And once you know that people are highly cooperative, right, you can engage that cooperation and you can translate it into value in a marketplace. You can translate it into value in your communities, in your home, etc. once you understand that. So number one, we're highly cooperative. Jesus said something. He said, give and it shall be given to you. See, we've made that specific to Christians. No, that's a general principle. There were no Christian church at the time. There were no Christians at the time when he said that. Are you with me? There was no New Testament. <laughs> he was speaking. 
of the general nature of humanity. And that is that we are reciprocal by nature. The nature of people is to exchange things with others for mutual benefit. Isn't that true? Absolutely. And respond to positive action with another positive action. It is basically how we interact. That's why if you see someone do something good for you or towards you, all right, there is this need to respond reciprocally, even if it's a thank you. In fact, we tell our, ch we tell our children when someone does something for them, did you say thank you? What do you say? Why? Because there should be something reciprocated in response to that action. How many understand what I'm talking about here? This is human nature. This is why, um, what's, what's a company that will send you a dollar in the mail if you fill out a survey? Oh, they don't send you a dollar in the mail? I don't even think they do that anymore. It's, it's to survey cars. It's, it's, it's a company that surveys when you buy cars. All right? How many ever got a dollar in the mail? Thank you. Y'all help me out. So why y'all not helping him? I mean, leave me hanging. What's up with your people? You see your... <laughs> and they quick to raise their hands. You see your members? Like, yup. Yeah, my members. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Y'all got to do better, guys. <laughs> Ladies. So, so it was a general principle. Give and it shall be given you. It speaks of generosity, but it speaks to something that is built into us, that God wired us as a collective body. How could we prosper as humanity if we were not cooperative? If we did not seek to cooperate with each other automatically, right? Now, there's some people who don't want to cooperate. They're called uncooperative, <laughs> rebellious, seditious, and all the other adjectives. Are you all with me? All right. But we're reciprocal by nature. So again, we, we, it's just we naturally seek to respond in exchange, mutually benefiting each other. And thirdly, we're intuitively moral. Uh, Romans, Paul, the apostle says that when in Romans chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, he says, when the Gentiles, separating from the Jews who have the law of Moses, right? He said, when the Gentiles do those things written in the law without having the law, they prove that the law is written already on their heart, which means we are intuitively moral. Even if someone is not exposed to a, a, a moral code, there are just certain things with inside of them that they reject as being proper or good. The moral outrage that we experience when we see certain things, all right, automatically. We are intuitively moral. These are foundational things. So when we talk about God's patterns, principles, and precepts, when we talk about the kingdom of God, the way God intended for all of this to work, he built into it everything that it needs in order to, for it to function the way it's supposed to. Now, there's another kingdom at work which is antithetic to the kingdom of God, and that's the kingdom of Satan. So there, it creates a distinction between the kingdom of God, which, is, which runs on truth, and Satan's kingdom runs on lies. Right? The, the foundational leap for, for, for the kingdom of God is, is, is faith. The kingdom of Satan, it's fear. 
For the kingdom of God, it's love. The kingdom of Satan is lust. So we have this, 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 these, these two kingdoms at work within human society. And God is saying, if you follow my kingdom, my way of doing and being and living, even in a fallen world, you will be prosperous. You will do well. But you will still have challenges. You will have circumstances against you. In fact, Jesus put it this way. He said, in the world, you will have tribulation. That's a promise. Here's another. And Paul said, the apostle in Romans chapter 7, I find a law that when I would do good, evil is present. How many figured that out already? Do you know there are still people still asking why? If you're asking why, you are naive. It's a law. The law is life is both threat and promise. I'm going to say that again. Life is both threat and, come on, say it with me. Life is both what? threat and promise adversity with opportunity adversity with opportunity you know how many people found opportunity during the pandemic and became millionaires are you hearing me folks adversity with what opportunity with adversity so along with opportunity comes what Adversity. Adversity, absolutely. So don't be surprised when the opportunity presents itself and a whole bunch of other stuff comes contrary to try to undermine that opportunity. They come together. And God is saying, if you follow my word, if you, if you, if you discover and, and search the truths of scripture and discover the patterns and the principles and the precepts and you apply them, you live by them, you live in them, guaranteed. Your life, your quality of life is going to be better than those who don't have and don't live by those principles, those patterns, those precepts. Got me excited. So as we talk about the signs of the times, we're also going to be building into it certain patterns and precepts that are critical during the times ahead of us. Next 10 years are going to be quite challenging. God can make you thrive in the midst of chaos. Because God's pattern is, what does he do? And the earth was, how many, how many got up to that first chapter in Genesis? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form. Without form, which means it lacked what? Order. It lacked what? Order. It was without form, which means it lacked what? Order. And it was void, which means what? Empty. Empty. And darkness, which represents chaos, was on the face of the deep. What does God do? He begins to bring order. So he organizes the universe into levels, right? And what does he then do with that order? When he creates the expanse, he creates the oceans, etc. He creates the sky, right? Then he begins to fill it. He fills the emptiness. He fills the ocean so that it's teeming with, with, with sea life. He fills the skies so it's, 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 it's filled with birds of the air. He fills the, the, the land with the beasts of the field. And then he brings humanity into it. So God's pattern is to bring order to the chaos and then fill it with life. 
Are you hearing me, Christian? God's pattern is to do what? Bring what? Come on. Order, to Order chaos. to the chaos and then fill it with life. And if your life is chaotic, what do you do? You give it to God. What does God do? He brings order. And then what does he do? He fills it with life. It's a pattern. And once you discover the pattern, you cooperate with the pattern. And watch God do his thing, regardless of what's happening around you. That's good. Hallelujah. That's the God that we serve, people. That's the God that we serve. That's good, that's good because when you said 10 years, you startled, you threw some people off. All they heard was 10 years. They didn't hear anything, they didn't after anything that. else. <laughs> Everything is in cycles. Everything is in cycles. And God's, our perspective on history is God's perspective given to us. History is divided by one key event. And remember, history is a record of events that have had continuous change within human society. Because not every event in history is recorded by us, right? What do we record? Events that have had long-term effects. Got it? The incarnation has impacted human history like no other event in human history. So much so that our time measurement is divided into before Jesus came and after Jesus came. And even when they want to get rid of Jesus and try to change the language from B.C. and A.D., to BCE and CE, you're still using the same dividing point. He's still in the middle. He's still Lord of history. Things are divided around him. And we're going to look at the ages and periods and dispensations and seasons and times and what they mean and how they relate to God's administration in human society during that particular period of time. What time are we in? How can we take advantage of this period that we're in? How long is this period? What are the elements of this period? And that's important because there are two things at work. There's the condition of the culture and the condition of God's people in the culture. And God addresses both. And the culture doesn't prohibit him from doing anything with his people. That's why Abraham wrestled, well, didn't physically wrestle, but negotiated with God. He said, all right, suppose there were 50 righteous. Would you spare the city? Yep. Ten. What if if there was one? My nephew Lot, who I was trying to get to all along. Right? God is the one who controls and changes times and seasons. And we'll talk about that. Amen? But what's important is for you to know, no matter what we talk about, all right, you follow God's word and you're going to be blessed. No matter what. The times are, the seasons are. In fact, you're going to know how to take advantage of the season and the time that we are in. Amen. I'm done. You finished? Finished. <laughs> Thank you for giving me the space. <laughs> we want to have our minister come and pray for those of you who may be in here who've never surrendered your life to Christ or if you're watching by internet and you've never made that prayer of surrender. Amen. Family, can we give a round of applause for an amazing word?
And maybe right now at this very moment, whether you're here personally or you're viewing via the internet, maybe right now you are being moved to enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Family, one of the the principles that we've learned here is that religion has many names attached to it, but salvation is found in only one name, and that name is Jesus Christ. Family, we take the scripture for granted, John 3, 16, for God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have what, family? eternal life. Romans 10, 9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if this is you, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I'll ask you to please repeat a very simple prayer and do it from your heart. And it says this, repeat after me. God, thank you for speaking to me personally today. I recognize my need for you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the full price for my sins so that I can be in right relationship with you. Amen. Fam, if you pray this, come on, can we give it up for those who have just prayed that prayer for the first time on the internet or here personally? And so if you prayed this for the first time, we want you to let us know. If you're on the internet, there are some, uh, a number on the screen, so we're going to ask that whether you text us or call that number on the screen so we can let us know that you prayed this prayer so we could talk with somebody. If you are here uh, physically, I'm going to ask that you will meet us right in the lobby area, and we want to talk to you and pray for you and give you some information that will help you grow. Family, welcome to the kingdom of God, and welcome to the family of God. Amen. 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 For those who made that decision, welcome, welcome, welcome. Like we've, I've said before, and I always say this, because I want to set you, you know, expectations sets the... Uh, Disappointment doesn't come by what, what you, you find, find, but based on what you expect to find. Yeah. And I want to set your expectation correct. This journey for Christian walk is not going to be easy, but thank God it is possible. Possible through Jesus Christ, possible through the obedience of his word. So it's going to be a little rough in the beginning, but you get into your pattern, you get into your, your battle rhythm, and you'll see some success come out of your Christian walk. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us all stand. We're going to close. Yes. Is there anything else? Yeah, I got a lot to say. (laughs) In spite of, God is so good. In spite of, God is so good. Please take what you heard today and ponder on it. Let it marinate. Because for a lot of us, our lens has been shifted. For a lot of us, our theology has been tested. For a lot of us, our theology has been lifted to another level. The soul, then the body. Amen?
Father God, thank you so much for sending your son. Sending your son to give us access to you. Giving us access to even talk and converse with you at such an intimate level. Lord, we ask that you have your way. Allow what we receive today to, to bring back fruit because of what it's doing in our lives. Allow us to be able to stand strong in spite of. Allow us to be courageous in the face of adversity. Standing in faith, knowing that we are valuable to you. So we ask that you have your way. We pray for this week, especially tomorrow, traveling mercies. Yes, Lord. Traveling provisions, Lord, as we're going to and from, as, as we are at each and every barbecue or event, whatever it is, Lord. But let us see sight of why we are there to be able to speak a word in season. So touch us on the tip of our tongue. Touch our lifestyle so that we can minister through more of what we do than what we say. We thank you for what you have done, what you're currently doing. But Lord, we set an expectation for what you're about to do. In Jesus' precious, precious name, amen. Amen, amen. and amen. Thank you for being with us today. We wish you the best as you enjoy your holiday. Wait, if it's Labor Day, why do they get the day off? Because they labored. Let's say something good as we leave this place for never God's presence. Jesus is Lord, period. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. Thanks for tuning in to the A.R. Bernard podcast. I hope you were enriched by the information and or the conversation. Make sure subscribe by clicking the link in the bio to gain more information about me and the work that I'm doing. Again, thank you and God bless.